Hello and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for Monday, May 18th. My name is Scott and I work on CircuitPython for Adafruit. Uh, this is our first version of this meeting where we've got some video coming in, which is exciting. Uh, at first, as a heads up to folks, uh, if you are in the CircuitPython voice channel, which is now also optionally a video channel, beware that your video may be recorded uh, depending on which video Discord decides to show me. Um, this recording goes up on YouTube, uh, the Adafruit YouTube, which is youtube.com slash Adafruit. And it also gets, uh, the audio gets stripped out and, and distributed as a podcast. So you're, if you're interested in uh, subscribing and listening to that, check it out. Um, we've been doing this meeting since 2017. So if you want to go back and look at the notes, uh, we do have a repository for that as well. Um, this meeting is run in five parts. The first part we have is community news which is kind of a what's going on in the world of CircuitPython on the interwebs. Uh, after that, we have the state of CircuitPython libraries in Blinka, which is an overview of, uh, <laughs> it's an over, like a statistics overview of the project and getting kind of with the goal of grounding us in real, uh, real data in terms of how things are going. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we have a few sub parts of that, and, but we'll go pretty quickly. And then we have two, uh, what I call the round robin sections. The first section is hug reports, which is a chance for all, us to all take some time and thank folks for the work that they've been doing in the past week or since we've had a chance to thank them before. Um, if you are, as folks are doing in the in the chat, uh, let us know if you, if you don't want to speak. Again, this is recorded, so be aware of that. Um, let us know that you're text only or lurking. If you say you're lurking, we'll just skip over you. Uh, if you're text only, please drop your notes in the notes doc um, so that we can read them off. And uh, otherwise, uh, what we'll do is I will call on people throughout the list and we'll switch to those folks. Um, so that's hug reports. We do the next section status updates in the similar fashion. So same same guidelines apply, except status updates is about taking a minute or two to talk about what you've worked on in the previous week and what you plan on working on in the coming week. Uh, it's a great way for us to all kind of have a feel for what everyone's doing and give tips and tricks and offer assistance for what folks are doing. Um, so that's status updates. And then the last section we have is in the weeds, where in the weeds is uh, a chance for us to talk about uh, any longer form uh, things that we that we want to talk about. Um, it's at the end so that we don't have to worry about it, um, and we could we could spend as much time as we need. So uh, strap in. This meeting tends to be about an hour and a half now that we have. It's nice we can see a count of how many people are in the voice channel. We have twenty one folks. So thank you all for joining. Uh, if it does get to twenty five, we may actually have to come up with a different option for video. Uh, but we can we can uh, handle that when we get there. I think we have have a pretty pretty typical crew here. So um, that's how things go. Uh, I think Katni posted the notes doc. So if you want to follow along in the notes doc, uh, please do that. And um, yes, geek guy, we can put you in CircuitPython. He says if somebody doesn't beat me to it, <laughs> which I think I. It was there and then it wasn't there. All right, you're in CircuitPythonistas. So uh, for those of you who don't know, CircuitPythonistas is our role that um, 
we will uh, notify when things change. Speaking of which, reminds me, uh, next week's meeting is not on Monday. It's going to be on Tuesday because Monday is a U.S. holiday. So we're go- we'll do it at the same time, uh, just 24 hours later. Next week, it's on Tuesday. And that's also the time that is in the calendar for those of you who have, who have edited it. So just heads up that uh, next week is at a different time. Um, but standard, standard stuff besides that. Okay, let's go on to our first section. So along with the video recording, we do also play put notes. And so uh, my brain can't talk and take notes at the, or take time codes at the same time. Um, so I'm gonna drop a time code in the notes doc and then talk about community news. As I said a bit before, uh, this is a chance for us to talk about a few things happening on the interwebs with CircuitPython. Uh, first and foremost, we have 50 single board computers that are now Blinka supported. So congrats to Maker Melissa and all, thank you to all the contributors that have made that possible. Um, spoiler alert for a little bit later. Uh, second up, and I'll take a time code for this. I'm pretty quick when I go through these. but uh, The Python developer survey results from 2019 that uh, JetBrains did was released yesterday. I haven't actually had a chance to take a look at it, but it's always interesting to see a broader view of the Python landscape. Uh, so check that out. Uh, last week... Uh, Last week we released CircuitPython 5.4.0 beta zero. Um, so if you're not trying that out, please do it. Kind of what we expect is that it will use lower power, but it may be slower uh, for the time being. So uh, let us know. Uh, there may be some more less reliable stuff as well. Um, yeah, I could pop out the player as well, but I wanted to, we can experiment with that later. <laughs> Um, next up, uh, Dan's done a lot of work on adding the Adafruit services for CircuitPython and BLE support. So this is, uh, using CircuitPython to interface with the, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So for, for folks that want to see both the text chat and the videos, you can pop out the video stuff too, uh, is another way to do it. Um. But yeah, so you can now use CircuitPython uh, Beely libraries with the, the Circuit Playground app, which just uses kind of a standard Beely service that Dan's added support for. Uh, next up, uh, Nina did a second version of the stream with, um, I'm blanking on who it was, uh, but it did a stream about CircuitPython, Device Simulator Express, and PyBadge. Uh, yeah, MB Crump, thank you. Uh, check that out. Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet either, but I would love to see. It's always fascinating to see different people's perspectives on CircuitPython and uh, Nina's a friend of ours. So uh, it should be should be pretty cool. Uh, so check that out on Twitch. And next up, in broader Python news, uh, MakeCodes now released their support for Python. This is not CircuitPython, unfortunately, but uh, it is a way to get uh, folks into uh, Python using MakeCode, which is really neat. Uh, next up, second to last, uh, Jeff's done some awesome work getting us on Hosted WebLate. It's an online interactive thing that 
makes it easy to add translations to CircuitPython. Uh, this has been really, really awesome so far. So thanks to Jeff. Uh, we've already gotten a new language that's pretty much, or that one was filled out pretty much completely already, which is amazing. Uh, so we're bringing some new contributors in with this. So thanks again to Jeff for spearheading that. Uh, and lastly, we have an update on Adafruit. Um, Adafruit has started shipping regular orders, uh, but they are kind of deprioritized compared to any COVID-19 related orders. So uh, if you, if Adafruit has stuff in stock that you're interested, please uh, make an order. Just be patient in terms of it getting delivered and sh shipped out and delivered to you because we can't make any promises exactly how quickly that happens. And Dan's showing a, an overview of the web late status as well, which is really neat. All right. Um, oh, and I should also say that this was just a preview of the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter that goes out Tuesday mornings that Ann puts together. So if you have projects that you're aware of that you've made done or you've seen other people do in the last week with CircuitPython or any other types of Python, please let us know. We'd love to uh, show it off to the few thousand people that get the newsletter. So um, Ann will post her contact info in the Discord when she has a chance. Uh, or you can get it to me and we can forward it on. We'd love to love to have more stuff there. So um, thanks to Anne for spearheading that. Okay, next up, um, we have State of Circuit Python Libraries and Blinka. This is the kind of statistics uh, numbers game or numbers overview of Circuit Python. Uh, and I will start with the overall stuff and then do the core and then hand it off to Katni and Melissa for the other bits. Um, so overall, we had 30 pull requests merged from 22 different authors, which is awesome. And it's starting to feel more and more normal to have that many folks. So uh, I'll just shout out the folks that the, the names in this authors list that I don't really rec recognize from before. So Gambler21, Tara Diddles, uh, Russ Mack, Weblate, <laughs> uh, Bergdahl. The Electric Mayhem, Poca Poca, XGMTK, Deer Mash, Junkman Double Zero has been there a couple times, and the rest are, are regular folks. And we had nine reviewers review all of those different pull requests. So thanks again to our reviewers. And if you're interested in uh, helping out CircuitPython, reviewing is a great way to do it. So if you're interested in getting into reviewing, please let us know. Uh, we'd love to have the help. Issue-wise, uh, we had 12 closed issues by 7 people and 13 open by 9 people. So we're still hovering about net neutral as an overall, as an overall, which is pretty awesome. Um, which is actually quite, uh, quite surprising considering I opened a bunch of issues. So uh, if I had to summarize, uh, things are going really well. We're seeing new people come in, uh, and I think we as an existing circuit vacuum. Python community are doing an excellent job at welcoming newcomers. So let's remember to prioritize that and keep that as our focus. Um, remember, as, as we level people up and get more reviewers and stuff, that means that we can support more contributors as well. So uh, good job, everyone, with that. Uh, on the technical side, CircuitPython has a beta release and a stable release, which is nice. Uh, please test the beta uh, if you have time and, and are curious to see how it how it's going. Uh, libraries have been really groomed really well by Katni recently, so thanks to her for that. 
and we've seen been, seen more contributions to the community bundle too. And uh, lastly, as for Blinka is in the overview, Melissa's done a great job, and now there's 50 boards. So congrats to the Blinka folks, uh, and thanks to all the folks that contribute to that and all of it. Okay, next up, uh, some numbers for the core. We had 12 or 12, seven pull requests merged from eight different authors, which. Uh, I think is because commits can actually have two different people associated with them. So uh, new folks there are Poka Poka, Weblate, Bergdahl. Um, so thanks to those folks. Weblate, again, is the bot from, from Weblate, but uh, Weblate is associated with Bergdahl in terms of commits. And we had three reviewers, so thanks to our reviewers. And again, please let us know if uh, you'd like to help out with that. We have 19 open pull requests, which is why reviewers are so welcome. Um, yeah, we could remove that name from the, the stats, the web late stuff. It's fine. It's kind of interesting to see that as a like source of pull requests. Um, issues wise, we had three closed issues by two people and five open by four people. So we're net up two for a total of 302 open issues. And there's a link in the, in the notes doc if you want to see uh, all of the open issues. Uh, we're ten we're tending to kind of accumulate issues on the core side. That doesn't surprise me and it doesn't super worry me. The thing that as I talk about mostly when we're in this section is the actual number of issues that are not assigned a milestone, which is basically our triage backlog of like what do we have to look at and decide like how important it is. Uh, and that number for this week is 15 issues not assigned a milestone. So could be better. Uh, I've been bad about looking at it, so uh, that's something that we should try to do soon. <laughs> and with that, I'll kick it over to Katni for the libraries. Thanks, Scott. So this week, we had 22 pull requests merged from 16 authors. Uh, Gambler21, Tara Diddles, Russ Mack, The Electric Mayhem, XDMTK, Deer Mash, and Duncan00 um, are all new or new-ish. So thanks to everybody who has started contributing and thank you to everyone who has continued to contribute. And we had eight reviewers. Um, our oldest merged pull request was 150 days old, uh, which I will actually be talking about later. Excited about that one. Um, and the rest of them were all uh, a week or mostly one or zero days, um, leaving us with 27 open pull requests. The oldest one is 497 days. It is actually still active. The original poster disappeared for a bit, but they have returned and have continued to work on it. So we are leaving that open to um, let them uh, finish that up. Um, we had eight issues closed by four people and eight open by six people, leaving us net neutral uh, with 147 open issues. If you are interested in all this information, it is available at circuitpython.org contributing which is also uh, where you can get started contributing, as per the name. Um, available there are open pull requests, uh, open issues, and library infrastructure issues. And all of those uh, are great places to get started. You can grab a PR, take a look at it, um, see if anything looks weird to you. Um, or if it doesn't, you know, just post a comment and let us know. Uh, with issues, there are a number that are marked good first issues, if that's your speed. Um, otherwise, you can take a look at the bugs and see if anything uh, speaks to you. And if you have the hardware, uh, feel free to test it. 
that sort of thing. Um, and if you are unsure about Git and GitHub, we have a guide for that, and we are also available to help you out. So if you are interested in contributing to CircuitPython, please let us know. There are many, many ways to do that, and that is a good place to get started. Uh, in terms of library updates in the past week, we had two new libraries, the CircuitPython BLE Adafruit library and the CircuitPython LAS331. We also had a number of updated libraries, which I will not list off. Although I will mention that the community bundle has been updated, which is excellent. Um, I like to see that as it is a bundle of community libraries. And that's where we are with the libraries. Awesome. Thank you, Katni. Okay, I'm going to turn my video off temporarily because I think my Discord is confused and thinks Lucian is talking perpetually. <laughs> so I like switched to the view where I could see everybody and it's like a permanent green box around Lucian even though he's muted. So I'm just going to see if I can't poke my Discord so that it stops that. I turned off my video. Disconnect and reconnect. Oh my god, have more something more interesting. Don't have anything interesting here. Got new blue boards. Huge new LED board. Ah. <laughs> nice. Okay, I can see Brent. Alright, so hopefully that'll work. Robot spider. Alright, next up, let's go to Melissa. Hello. So let's see here. Thing tends to scroll. Okay, uh, so I'm going to read the section about Blinko, which is our CircuitPython compatibility layer for Raspberry Pi and other single board computers. Uh, this week we had one pull request merged by one author, one reviewer. Uh, they're leaving a net total of zero pull requests. There was one closed issue by one person and zero open by zero people, leaving 22 open issues. Um, and there are 3,403 PyPI downloads in the last week with uh, 50 supported boards. And that's it. Awesome. Thanks, Melissa. Hold your, ki hold your kitty up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, that's it for the stats portion of, of this meeting. <laughs> Distracted by cats. Uh, let me switch back. I'm also trying to, like, DJ, which video is showing? Um, okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's not auto switching, which is weird. Now I'm seeing Melissa because I clicked Melissa. So I wonder if I click Melissa again that it would unclick. Maybe? Oh, I got the grid. We'll see. This is all exciting. Those of you who see my streams, you know that's how it goes. <laughs> hey, it just switched from Lucian to Brent for me, so maybe this will work. Okay, perfect. Let's go into Hug Reports. Uh, after I take a time code. Hug Reports is a chance for us to all say thank you to folks for... Uh, thank you to folks for the work they've done uh, since we've had a chance to do it last. I'll start, and then we'll go alphabetically through the, the list on the left-hand side here. Nice. And I think my video is switching again, which is great. So we'll, we'll see how that goes for it. Okay. So for me, um, 
Yeah, and again, if you, please double check the notes doc to to see if you're lurking or not, uh, because I'll just run through this here. So time code for me. Uh, first and foremost, a hug report to uh, D Harada for tackling the Py PYI Python doc conversion uh, and follow-up improvements. I already have something to take a look at there, which is exciting. Um, I'll talk more about that later. For This is just hug reports. Um, next, I have a hug report for uh, Polka Polka and Omsai for sprinting on CircuitPython on Saturday for the mentored sprints from PyCon that they did virtually. Uh, hug report to Jeff Epler for setting up Weblate. It's nice to see new translators contributing, so that's really definitely worth, been worth the time. And lastly, uh, thank you to FlameEyes for the RFC around adding machine verifiable life license info to our libraries and uh, libraries and our, our core stuff, hopefully, too. So, okay, uh, V923Z, you're next. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Uh, so in the past two weeks, I haven't really had time to interact with anyone. Therefore, I have only a, a, a group hug. It's a fantastic community. It's always a pleasure to come back. Awesome. Well, thanks for making the meeting. And let's circle back. It looks like Anic Data is lurking and Anne B is text only. So I'll read that off. Um, Anne says, hug report to all who have sent in items for the Python on Microcontrollers newsletter. Uh, please continue to tag hash circuit Python on Twitter or email subject news to anneb at adafruit.com. <laughs> Next up, we have Brent. Hello, uh, hug report to maker Melissa for the BLE web dashboard. I didn't get to use it until last week when I checked it out and it's really good. And the skinning on it is really nice. It's like, it retains like the Adafruit feel, but it's not totally black like Adafruit IO. Um, and to Jerry for working on updating the Laura learn guides with code that he wrote. Awesome. Thanks Brent. All right. Carter is lurking. Uh, so let's go to Charles. Just a group hug for everybody. Uh, Adafruit, I've, I've just got an order from Adafruit. It worked and took an extra couple of days, but it's, it, I don't, it doesn't matter. I got what I need and I appreciate it very much. Great. Thanks, Charles. All right. Next up, we have Dan. Hi. Uh, so, um, thanks to Lady Ada for doing something which isn't really circuit completely CircuitPython related, but she converted uh, our Learn Guides example programs repo from uh, Travis to GitHub Actions and made it run four times faster and cleaned up a lot of deadwood and technical dead in there. It, was, it took 12 hours or something, but it was worked out very well. Um, Scott mentioned thanks to uh, Jeff for the Weblate integration, which is really great because it makes it so much easier to uh, add translations and just fix little things in the translations. And thanks to TAC, um, who has done a lot of work on the NRF bootloader so that it doesn't include the soft, it doesn't need the soft device to operate unless you're doing something over the air. 
which means that we can now start thinking about upgrading the version of the soft device easily and also including the soft device with CircuitPython, and it just makes the whole thing a lot more flexible. Nice. And that is it. And I have a, let's see, <laughs> we've got, where's the cat? There we go. Right in the middle there. Calico cat. He was just sleeping, but she woke up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my cats wake up when I talk to Yeah. All right. All right. And uh, just a heads up, Brent, we can see you by default. <laughs> so you're, uh, you're on camera here when, when no one else is talking. It is switching, which is good. It's not me anymore. No, it's not. Okay, uh, Dave P is lurking, and David Glad has notes, so I'll read those off. Uh, David Glad says, uh, "Hug report to Dan H for the Adafruit Beely Adafruit uh, library. <laughs> Great to have this in CircuitPython rather than Arduino. Hug report to Maker Melissa for the Beely web dashboard. Hug report to Dan again for doing underscore Blinka uh, underscore Beely.io in Blinka." Will be great to talk BLE between Pi and microcontroller. And lastly, hug report to C Grover for the clock builder library. Makes me want to build a clock. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is a this this live video is just uh they're just working the kinks out, but it's I'm excited. I this this is getting my uh, streaming streaming vibe going too. Okay, uh Duester is lurking, so we'll go to Foamy Guy. All right. Uh, this week, I got hug report uh, for Shifu and stage libraries. And specifically, uh, what I found this week that I thought was really cool was the way that it abstracts the buttons. Um, so a bunch of different devices can listen for buttons using a single interface. That way, the, the application uh, or game, it's going to be a game, doesn't have to care which device it's running on. Um, and it can still listen for all the same buttons like D-pad and A and B and all that stuff. Um, so that's really cool. Um, a hug as well for Dan H for his work on the Bluetooth um, services for CircuitPython. That's really neat to see that come over to the CircuitPython side. I'm hoping to get a chance to play with that this week. And then lastly, for uh, Crayola and Catney for working on the LED animations library. I hadn't seen that before. I'm not sure exactly how new it is, but that thing is um, really cool. So thanks to both of them. Awesome. Thanks, Family Guy. Next up, we have notes from Geek Guy. Who says, uh, hug report to Sedacious for being so patient and understanding. Hug report to Maker Melissa for helping me learn how to add boards to Blinka. Hug report to Tan Newt Scott Deep Dive Shawcroft for continuing to traverse the deep end of the pool. And the whole CircuitPython team and community for being helpful and a great place to be. All right. Thank you, Geek Guy. And next up is Higher Effect. Uh... Turn my camera on this time. All right, yeah. Uh, so thanks to uh, Arturo this week uh, and uh, Scott for reviewing the uh, new IMX uh, testing and pin claiming code. Um, thanks uh, especially to, to Arturo for sending me a new IMX feather for testing, which was really cool. Um, really looking forward to being able to work with that. And uh, um, thanks for to him for just kind of testing all of this new IMX stuff that's coming out. Um, and then uh, just thanks in general to uh, Mark Wilson for his uh, VCP work on the STM32 um, and just generally checking out the STM32 port in general, which is really helpful. Um, and yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Higher Effect. All right. Next up, we have Jason P. All right. 
So is my microphone working this time? Because I had problems before. It sounds good, and your video looks good, too. Awesome. I was eating my lunch earlier, so I figured I would just leave my camera off and save you guys all that pain. <laughs> um, group, just a group hug this week. I always appreciate you know, the quick support when I'm ducking in and asking for help on things. And I think one of our, one of our engineers, other engineer software guys, has started uh, joining on board and getting some help, too, with CircuitPython in the recent month or two, so that's really good. We'll have a lot more of that work coming here very shortly. And then also, um, thanks to whoever submitted our Evo M51 board a couple of weeks ago. I didn't do that, and so somebody did. And that actually, we got a lot of uh, a lot of interest oh, through great. that. So we people coming through, whether it's the the newsletter or then, of course, Phil talked about it on Wednesday night. And so we're still seeing people flow through. So I just really appreciate Adafruit and whoever submitted it. So that's that's great. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, I think things can trickle from this meeting into that. So then maybe that was it. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Cool. Okay. Um, sorry to those folks who couldn't hear Jason. I could hear him just fine. So if you want to hear it, you can listen to the recording. Um, okay. Next up, we have Jeff. Hello, everybody. Uh I want to thank our WebLate contributors, uh, of who I believe we'll have a lot. I'm so happy we've got a new way for the community to work on improving CircuitPython. And uh, thanks in particular to Johnny Bergdahl, who did the complete Swedish translation this weekend. Um, to me, that is just an unimaginable amount of work. I know it's only 700 and some strings, but uh, you got to understand them and you got to translate them and you got to be consistent and all that stuff. So thank you very much. And we're looking forward to more. Uh, thank you, Zoltan. I just sent you a weird bug this morning and uh, I know you'll probably have it resolved more quickly than we incorporate that fix in CircuitPython. So you'll stay ahead of the game for sure. Carter was uh, able to give me a lot of helpful uh, advice on a guide that I have in progress about which I'll say a little bit more later. I want to thank all the CircuitPython moderators. There's kind of been an uptick in people joining and dropping inappropriate text or links in the chat, and they're keeping on top of that. And that helps make the community better. Uh, and thanks to Crayola. We had a chat last week. Um, we're talking about ways to bring display I.O. to the smart LEDs like NeoPixel and DotStar. And We've, we've got some ideas. It's going to take a while. And uh, when Katni comes on video in just a little bit, you'll get to see why uh, that is what Crayola is interested in right now. Anyway, that's what I got. Yeah, and Lamore was asking about that today too, Jeff. So that should get, Oh, cool. That should get some prioritization. I was like, I think Jeff's the right person to do that. So I'm glad to hear that you're basically ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, yeah, I've got plenty of stuff on my plate. So add one more thing, why don't you? Yeah, we know. You're doing awesome. Keep it up. All right. All right. Next up, we have notes from Jerry, who wasn't able to make the meeting, but dropped some notes anyway. Uh, first and foremost, a hug report to... Let, actually, I'm DJing my... Between the video and stuff a bit here, too. So, uh, Jerry says, hug report to Carter for patient and persistent help on Discord. It was fun to watch your work. Hug report to community moderators. Uh, it was a tough week. And again, I think this has to do with like Discord's been rejiggering their um, their discovery service. And I think anytime that we submit our server to like discovery services that can like be automated by 
automatically scraped by bots and stuff, I think we get an influx of spam. So uh, I think that's the primary reason that we've been seeing that. So thanks, uh, as Jerry says, to the community moderators for handling that. Um, Jerry also says, uh, hook report to Hotak uh, for the updates and guidance using the NRF52840 bootloader. And lastly, a hug report to HireEffect for fixing the STM32F405 port. And with that, let's go to Katni. Hello. So I have, uh, first and foremost, a hug to Crayola for all the amazing work on the LED animations library. Um, I will talk about everything that went into that in the past week uh, during my status update, but it was a lot of work and then a lot more work. So thank you so much for that. Uh, hug report to Foamy Guy for testing a PR for me and then testing two more when I found minor things I forgot in the first one. To Summersoft for letting me bounce Sphinx issues off of him and helping me sort out what my issue was. To Jeff for getting Weblate set up uh, to make translations for CircuitPython easier and for taking notes in the meeting this week. To Dan for getting the code working um, to use the Circuit Playground Bluefruit with the Bluefruit Playground app in CircuitPython. To Lady Ada for cleaning up the Learn Repo and getting it moved to actions. I'm looking forward to getting a lot of time back, not waiting for the complicated Travis setup on it to run every time I submit Learn Guide code. And to community moderators for keeping up with the new influx of moderation issues. It was inevitable that it would happen as we grew, but it doesn't make it any less important to recognize the moderators for all their hard work. Moderating is not easy to do, and everyone has been doing an amazing job. Awesome. Thanks, Katni. Okay, uh, Kinger North is lurking, so we'll go to Maker Melissa. Hello, let's see. Um, one day, oh, things scrolled on me here. <laughs> That's the thing about group documents here. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to give a hug report to uh, Scott for adding the circuitpython.org board stubs that really help speed things up. I wanted to give a hug report to Lady Ada for moving the learn repo to GitHub Actions because that's one of the most complex repos. Uh, and a hug report to Geek Guy for his first pull request for platform detect. And it's pretty good. Uh, and a group hug. Awesome. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah. Great. Let me go back to view now we can see brent again uh mr certainly is lurking and so we're on to summersoft hello um so i have a hug for jeff um both for getting weblate set up so that people could uh, contribute easier with translations and then following that up by adding a way to gather the uh the weblate contributors uh, to adabots reports as you saw above um it, it, it is, whoa, all of a sudden I can't talk. Um, it isn't easy, but it was, uh, you worked it out pretty quickly. Um, hug to Flame Eyes uh, to their, for their reuse licensing uh, format idea, the machine readable stuff. Um, and then putting in a couple places, um, a request for comment and an example PR. And also in that PR, teaching me about pre-commit, the pre-commit tool, which is pretty cool. Um, and then also, uh, to the discord moderators, we, we had a busy week, um, and we all did, they all did, uh, swimmingly and then a uh, group hug beyond that. <laughs> Jeff, you're writing under the wrong thing. 
Um, <laughs> another perk of the shared doc. Um, okay, last up, we have notes from Stargirl, who says, uh, hug report to Tan Newt for doing the PyCon mentored sprint. Scott does such a great job engaging newcomers. All right. Uh, thanks, Stargirl. And with that, we're done with hug reports. Uh, next up, we have status updates. Status updates is a chance for us to... I was going to say, I was going to do the hug report one. Um, that's what happens when I try to do time codes and the intro at the same time. Uh, status updates is a chance for us to take a couple minutes to talk about what we've been working on in the past week and what we plan on working on in the coming week. This could be anything from uh, household renovations, building a woodshed, to CircuitPython projects, to core CircuitPython work. We want to hear all about it and uh, get an idea for what's going on within our community. Um, this again is done as a round robin. So if you're in the voice channel, please let us know whether you're lurking. If you want us to skip over you, let us know if you're text only, if you have text in the notes doc that I can read off. Otherwise, beware that um, we are recording both the audio and the video if you are sharing video uh, for further posting or later posting on the Adafruit YouTube channel, just youtube.com slash Adafruit. Um, Okay, and with that, I will kick us off with status updates and then go around just like we did for hug reports. So first and foremost, uh, time code. <laughs> uh, I got sucked into switching the inline docs to PYI stubs, which are, it's the PYI is the extension for Python stubs. Uh, it's merged in, so heads up that the format has changed. So if you're doing shared bindings work, beware of that. Uh, it's basically normal Python, but where you would put implementation, so in the body of a function or the definition of what an attribute is, you put dot, dot, dot in place of the real implementation. Uh, it's very commonly used to provide type information for libraries that don't provide it natively. Um, that's what it came, why they created it. Um, one thing is that uh, we could... Now we can now choose to switch away from restructured text, which I know folks are not a huge fan of. Um, we could move to, I think there are a couple options, uh, Google style uh, formats and um, NumPy style format strings are the two options. Basically, it should still be supported by Sphinx, but we don't need uh, restructured text. We needed it prior to give us the structure of like classes and functions and stuff. And we now use, we now inherit that from the Python stub structure instead. So um, if we want to do that, I think there's a in the weeds discussion about it. Um, one, also, one other thing to note is that um, once I fixed the read the docs build, which I broke with merging that in, um, which I, I'll do today, uh, that it's going to change all of the links into the documentation. So where it used to say like en latest shared binding slash digital IO slash digital in out HTML, like all of the like structure of those pages have, have changed a little bit. So um, unfortunately we're going to, uh, we're going to lose those links. There is a way that we could do redirects if we really wanted, wanted to, but um I don't think I will. Uh, so if you think we should do redirects, let me know. There is that. Read the docs has the ability of, if it hits a 404, it can look up re the redirects for folks. Um, so we could do that. It's just, uh, I don't know if they have an API and there's no like pattern matching way to do it. So it's it's not a trivial amount of work. Um, so I'm gonna wrap that up. And then uh, the thing I actually 
plan on spending more time on is I got the ESP32-S2 port uh, out for review. And um, that was what I did last week. And I'm going to follow up on that review, get it checked in. And then I, my goal or my plan on the ESP32 side is basically get digital in out working fully, get bus IO working fully, and then um, and then do all the Wi-Fi stuff. So that's my plan for ESP32-S2. And it's going to keep me busy. Um, so that's it for me, and let's go to V923Z. Okay, thanks, Scott. So um, I have uh, long entertained this idea of, of bringing arbitrary um, Python functions into, into Microlab, and uh, now I have a, a working implementation, which would mean a complete submodule, um, which can uh, minimize uh, Python functions, uh, find the roots, and so on and so forth. Um, I, I will try to merge it today, uh, later sometime. Uh, I have some issues with the documentation, but otherwise the, the, the code itself is, is um, done and working. Uh, byproduct of that is that uh, Python functions can now be vectorized. Um, mm, I, I will nice. try to link it. Um, oops. Um, uh, so um, basically, um, uh, in, in, in Microlab, you can have now uh, something um, something like uh, what you would have in NumPy. Um, here's a link. Um, <clears throat> one, one issue or, the, or, or one, one um, uh, observation, though, is that um, the, the speed up is not so spectacular as with other array operations. So if you compare it to, um, to, to, to stuff implemented in Python itself, then you can gain something like a factor of two. Uh, now, um, this, this is a byproduct of, of uh, this, this idea of, of bringing Python functions into MicroLab. And uh, the, the longer term goal is, is actually uh, implementing uh, nonlinear uh, least square fits uh, on, on arbitrary Python functions. Um, as I said, the, the uh, speed up is not going to be huge, although I have ideas as to what one could do in order to, to get another factor of 20 approximately. Hmm. Um, but that would would actually mean some incompatibility with with NumPy, and I, I would like to discuss this uh, at, at length uh, in the read later on. Um, what what people's feelings are about bringing in functions that are not entirely uh, uh, NumPy compatible, but uh, which would would allow to to gain a factor of twenty in speed. Right. And lastly, um, for for next week or for this week, actually. So I, I will try to fix Jeff's bug uh, as soon as possible. And then when I am done with that, and I, I am, I'm going to, to set out to, to fix the, the nonlinear least square fits, uh, fits uh, and, and merge it to, into, into, into master as soon as possible. So that's, that's my plan for, for this week. And uh, with that, I would like to uh, give it back to you. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, and we're gonna circle around. Let me scroll up in the dock. And uh, Bore Machine, you'll be up. Uh, are you lurking? 
I think Anik Data and Anne are lurking. I'm going to assume Boar Machine's lurking as well. Uh, let us know in the text if you're not. Uh, and with that, we'll go to Brent. Hello. Uh, last week, I worked on um, adding SMS functionality to the phone module. So now you can text it. Um, working on a guide for that that's out by Wednesday. I'll post uh, a link to a GIF. Um, and Python is like, it's interesting because the Arduino version of doing this is much more complicated than doing a CircuitPython. And specifically because CircuitPython's so good and Python's so good at parsing text strings. Mm -hmm. um, and it really simplifies this type of project where you have uh, data going between different sources, different types of data, and it's less lines of code, easier to write. So it's like CircuitPython is definitely working. Um, and then this week, I'm going to finish that guide probably today. I want to add 3G compatibility for the Phono 3G module that I just got in the mail. To the Phono module, I want to fix mini MQTT. There's an error. And then non-native fruit related, I'm doing an independent study with a professor on machine learning over the summer. Um, if anybody has good resources like a textbook that you really liked reading or um, an online course that you really like taking about machine learning, please let me know. Awesome. Thanks, Brent. All right, Carter's lurking, so let's go to Charles. I'm having, having an issue with my microphone. I but, can hear you uh, now. You can hear me fine? Yep. And, and we can I don't really have a lot to tell about, tell about but uh, I'm hoping I still on that same old project of trying to get after t uh, velocity sensitive keys mm -hmm. for my synthesizer. Mm -hmm. It's it's a royal pain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I may I may uh, in, ask some questions uh, or ask for some suggestions, but um, it's that's about all I got to say. All right. It isn't much. No worries. The, the, the video is confusing me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's new. But I can't seem to get access to the uh, the uh, the uh, text oh. channel. Yeah, if you want the text channel on the left-hand side, you can just scroll up and then click the text. Click I the can't find it. Then. That's weird. It should be all I, I know. I should be. That's what I should be able to do. But I don't. It's just not showing up. Hmm. And get the help, general, the help with. And then it should be right there. It should be in the topics. It ain't there. Open, open the topics. If the topics, if it, if it says greater than topics, we could go down topics. Yeah, yeah I, I've had that happen. Yeah. Make sure that the little carrot is facing the right way. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Perfect. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Charles, and everybody for, for helping out. All right. Let's go to Dan. Okay. So as every bunch of people mentioned uh, last week, I released the BLE Adafruit Services Library. It has a release. It's in the bundle. And I added some guide pages to the Bluefruit Playground app, which is the new phone app. Uh, and also the Bluetooth Bluefruit Web Bluetooth Dashboard. I'm not sure if that's the right name. Alyssa can tell me if it's the right name or not. But uh, uh, 
they they now say how to use the circuit python demo program instead of the arduino uf2 and eventually there'll be a guide about um how to use the some some examples of how to use the adafruit services but probably with bleak we'll probably uh, wait on doing that until we can get it working with bleak i did a bunch of code reviews um this morning i did another release of the uf2 bootloader i meant to do 3.9.1 but i did 3.10 it doesn't really matter and that's just to add the pew pew board, which I had promised the Deshi Poo and I forgot. And over the weekend, I cleaned my desk and set up uh, a Windows um, dev machine. I have a lot of like these refurb Dell Optiplexes of various sizes, micro ones and small ones. And so I have a sort of a surplus of Windows computers. So instead of trying to use a laptop for development, which I don't really like, I got a nice a nicer thing which I can connect to my regular monitors. And finally, as I mentioned, uh, I'm going to start testing or implementing uh, BL underscore BLEIO with using Bleak, which is this Python wrapper for on top of various different Bluetooth libraries uh, on different operating systems. Okay. Thanks, Dan. All right, Dave P is lurking, and David Glad has text notes, so I'll read those off. Uh, David says, this week, adapted C. Grover's PyPortal clock, clock builder library to Adafruit Ada Logger Featherwing, the PCF 8523. Next up, we have text from Dewester. Dewester says, uh, <laughs> you did say building sheds and stuff, so I opened up my pool. Very cold, but relaxing after a few minutes. Uh, started trying to get a, a, an M5 MLX90640 to work on my Pi badge. Got to relearn Arduino. Keeping an eye on Maker Melissa's Prusa Bear printer process. Congrats on first prints. Uh, created a small raid in NAS uh, following the Magpie article directions with a Pi 4B plus and two old drives, works better than Open Media Vault, and getting used to the new Pi uh, 12 megapixel camera and telephoto lens shows all my flaws so vividly. <laughs> Speaking of camera, uh, well, I need to rethink power to my Octoprint Pi. That's from Duester. And next up we have Foamy Guy. All right, um, so last week, um, I was working on testing the LED animation library. Um, also, I found on Amazon a clone of this color sensor breakout, TCS uh, 34.725. I had gotten a, um, an Adafruit version of the Flora one, but the breakout breadboard uh, form factor one was unavailable everywhere. Um, but I did find this one on Amazon, um, so I'm going to try that out this week. And then uh, over the weekend, I got uh, pretty much all the way done finally with uh, the tile map game guide. I ended up re reworking some of the ways the game worked and then having to redo some of the parts of the guide and stuff. Hmm. Um, but I got that pretty good um, knocked out yesterday, actually, finally. And then um, the last thing for last week was uh, working on an example for the Pi Badger to show how to use uh, the debouncer library with the buttons on there. They aren't connected directly to digital iopens, so the debouncer library has to be initialized um, a little bit special of a way. 
And the way to do that turned out to be uh, Lambda, which I actually had not um, really learned about or messed with in Python too much. Hmm. Uh, but it does turn out to be fairly similar to some concepts from JavaScript uh, that I was more familiar with. So um, it made sense, and it was the perfect tool uh, for making those two libraries work together. To tonight, um, just go back over the guide once more time uh, with uh, fresh eyes after I haven't been looking at it for a while um, and make any changes that are there, and then also get the PR put in tonight with the source code. Um, and then get that turned in. And then uh, later on in the week, I want to uh, sit down and play with the BLE services that Dan was working on um, and test those out with the Android version of the uh, Blue Flute Playground app. And then, uh, I, like I mentioned, the, uh, the color sensor I got, I'm going to get that soldered up and try to test that out later on this week as well. Um, and that's all I got. Nice. Thank you, filming guy. All right. Time code. And let's go to Geek Guy, who is text only. I'll read it off. Uh, last week says, I got my Udo Bolt computer all set up and working great. This gets me into the x86 world and will allow me to do many things I could not do before. Also got my new Jetson Nano working and ready for learning. I updated the Adafruit Python platform detect to detect the Udo Bolt. And this week, I'm starting to work on Blinka to make it work on the Udo Bolt. I will start learning about Bluetooth with my Bluefruit spy friend and clueboard as well. All right, thank you. And let's go to higher effect. Everything come up there? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so this week uh, I've mostly been working on IMAX stuff. Uh, so I did a PR that was supposed to be small and ended up being very big, which was the IMAX uh, pin claiming and resetting system, um, which was complicated a little bit because the IMX doesn't really have a traditional reset pin thing, so we ended up kind of having to ended up having to kind of store everything that you know was the default state, so that we could return to that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's all in. I'm going to be trying to wrap that up today. Um, I uh, I worked a little bit on uh, briefly on a uh, hang on startup bug uh, bug um, and uh, and some stack problems that the STM32s were having. Uh, which is something that had been sticking around for a while. And so that's also nice to have uh, behind us. Um, and uh, all in all, just kind of ended up doing a lot of debugging, um, looking at registers, et cetera. Um, so this week, I'm going to be continuing the IMX stuff, um, working on wrapping up just kind of all of the low-hanging fruit issues for the IMX, uh, a lot of which have to do with uh, just kind of testing various peripherals that haven't been stress tested and uh, wrapping up uh, bus IO components that don't, you know, have like single direction. So like, you know, TX only UART or, um, you know, mostly only SPI um, and uh, getting all those covered. Um, and then beyond that, I'm going to start working on PWM, which is a little bit bare bones right now and, and, uh, and kind of working on, on rounding out Pulse IO, which is also uh, not wrapped up for that port yet. Um, and then and I guess in my personal time, I showed this guy a little bit. Um, but I just wrapped up a library for a type of servo motor called the Dynamixel, which is a cool kind of robot server, robot oriented servo um, that uh, just has a lot more brain power than the usual PWM servo. It can, you can have a whole bunch of them on one line. Uh, you can set how fast it is, how much what the torque limits are, you can get the internal temperature, you get all sorts of debugging error stuff. So in general, it's really cool for robots. 
Um, and uh, I just wrote a library for it, which I'm going to clean up and, and uh, hopefully submit to the community bundle this week. Um, so yeah, just been doing a little bit of work on that. And that's it for me. Awesome. Thanks, Hire Effect. All right. Next up, we have Jason P. All righty. Well, um, there's a couple things going on. We've got this install we're doing. We're doing the electronics on a uh, this interactive troll sculpture for one of the local communities here. And it uses a lot of Adafruit stuff. So we're using four Feather M4 Express boards and a capacitive touch sensor breakout. And then pairing that with a, a SparkFun Tsunami board for doing playing MP3s and doing some other stuff. And we're going to start doing integration on that probably in the next couple of weeks. So there's, it's going to be pretty cool. I, I put a link in there to an article that came out late last year about the project. Um, but the metal worker that we're working with has got all the troll stuff done and all the faces are this anodized aluminum touch surfaces. And hmm. the trolls are actually really big. And it's designed for kids to be able to come and they can touch different pieces of it. And it really acts like a sequencer. So as you touch these different areas, um, you know, different tracks will turn on and, and then you can change out the audio and all that. So that's going to be a pretty cool thing to be involved with. And so we've got that going on. And then uh, I've mentioned before, we've got this new board coming out. Uh, it's an FPGA board with a SAMD51 and that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. So there's a lot of work going into that. There's a lot of changes to the base libraries because all the IO route through the FPGA. So there's some magic going on under the hood for like when you set inputs and outputs or things like that, that it's got to switch the IO muxing inside the FPGA as well. And we do that across an I squared C bus between the SAMD and the, the FPGA. So all that's working in Arduino right now, um, but we just have to get it working under CircuitPython also. So we can use like a baseline. We have a build for CircuitPython that will work and I can do a bunch of stuff with it. Um, but it doesn't do everything quite yet, so we need to get it there. Uh, but probably be looking for some help here soon on getting the board added officially. Cool. So probably in the next couple of weeks, we'll start shipping those. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, happy to help with that. All right, thanks. All right, let's go to Jeff. Well, luckily, I have my notes here to remind me what I've been up to. <laughs> um, last week, um, I did more work on the SD card implementation in C. And we've discussed adding SDIO, which is a different way of interfacing to them. So far, we've done SPY. Um, and I, I'm kind of leaning towards just not hurrying to merge it until both are done. Uh, so anyway, with the SDIO work, we're targeting the STM32F405 Feather first. But we also know that that uh, is the SD interface on the Teensy 4 and 4.1. And we also will be able to uh, try it on the SAMD51 on the uh, M4 Grand Central. So ultimately, we're aiming at at least three implementations of SDIO. Uh, let's see, did I say yet? Um, the guide for JetPlayer, the MP3 player that is all CircuitPython, um, that has been sent off to moderation. And I'm really excited about that because it was something I was working on back in December, which stalled out. And then just lots of little things. Um, I, I guess I did web late, but that was mostly finished by the last week's meeting. Um, so this week, I hope to make actual progress on SDIO. And then another thing that I have to pursue is there were some audio glitches that I was sure was just that those things with the DAC on the SAMD51. I looked more closely at oscilloscope plots, and I can see that it will wrap around from being almost the highest number to almost the lowest number. So mm -hmm. I think it's an 
overflow in the MP3 decoder. And I need to turn that into an actionable, actionable bug report that hopefully someone could look at and figure out the problem. So I've got MP3s that trigger it. I need to just find, here's X frames of MP3 data, not a four mm -hmm. minute long song, right? and hand that off. So that's what I'll be up to. And uh, yeah, this LED stuff, um, it would be fun to do, but you know, got to prioritize it compared to the other stuff. And I'll check with Lamora about that, definitely. Yeah, I think after the SDEIO stuff, it makes sense. All right. Yeah, you're in SD Thanks, card Scott. land, stay there. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Uh, Jerry's missing the meeting, so I've got, but I've got notes from him. And I'll take a time code. Jerry says this week trying the CircuitPython 5.4.0 beta on various boards. Picked up a Teensy 4.1. Uh, tried I2C and Spy devices, all okay there. But ran the ST7789 with a a 320 by 240 display and it works but the the refresh is very slow so we'll dig deeper on that and then next week uh we'll update the guides for the rfm 9x and the 69 add addressing and act usage to those things um and then next up we have katney hello hello so last week worked through a 150-day-old PR that added many more animations to the LED animation library, as well as adding pixel mapping helpers. Started the LED animations guide. Figured out that M0 struggles with many animations at once, or the more complex animations beginning with imports. So then I helped with refactoring the LED animations library um, and helped with adding uh, Rainbow Sparkle. Most of that work was done by Roy. Uh, so thank you again for that. Um, and I built an LED wall. It's 260 pixels in a 20 by 13, 20 by 13 grid, um, running off of a Feather NRF and using a NeoPixel 8 as a level shifter. So, and that's running the LED animations library. Great. So this week, uh, finish the LED animations guide. Um, I'm currently working on another quick PR to the LED animations library to uh, automatically handle comet tail length min and max because it was failing on a really cryptic error in two, two or three libraries deep um, if you set it to longer or um, shorter than it should be. So that pulls the error right, or actually doesn't even error anymore. It just automatically sets it to a minimum or a maximum based on the number of pixels available. Um, so that handles that really well. I found a bug in Pylint uh, with this PR working around that now. Um, and then later this week, I will be receiving a proto board for the AHT 10 temperature and humidity sensor um, that Lamore put together. And I will be write, writing the CircuitPython driver for that and then writing the product guide for that. Um, so mostly this week is going to be LED animations, but the next thing that's up is the temp and humidity sensor driver and guide. Awesome. Thank you, Katni. All right. King or North is lurking. So we'll go to maker Melissa. Hello. Let's see here. Uh, okay. So last week I finished adding the great fat one to support Tablinka. 
uh, I added an uninstall option to the PyTFT install script. Uh, I figured out an issue related to the RA8875 not working on the Raspberry Pi. As it is wired up in the learn guide, it was just a matter of making an alternative wiring. Uh, I added eight new CircuitPython boards and three new Blinka boards to circuitpython.org. And I fixed a couple small issues in Adafruit CircuitPython RGB display. Uh, this week, I'm going to be heads down focusing on implementing Display.io for Blinka. And on a personal note, I just finished Half-Life Alex, and I started doing some gardening. Ooh, what kind of gardening? Huh? What kind of gardening? Oh, uh, mostly herbs, but I'm going to do a few uh, vegetables as well. Awesome. I, I like, I do veggie gardening too. So if you need somebody to talk with about it, let me know. Oh, yeah. Okay. And display AO, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Melissa. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Mr. Certainly and my Ken is Infinite are both lurking, so we're going to go to Summersoft. Hello again. Hopefully my, my talking neurons are, are woken up again. Now you're um, so for uh, for last week, um, for Rosie Pie, so I, I, I was going to quit, but I just couldn't. So I continued debugging the uh, operating system lockups I was having when I would put a, a bootloader or put a board into bootloader mode on Ubuntu and a Raspberry Pi 3, uh, 3B Plus. Um, I narrowed it down to it only happening when I used microcontroller.reset. Um, double tap on the reset button rarely triggered. Hmm. Um, so after trying to familiarize myself with the bootloader code and how all of that swap over happens, um, and trying to get stack traces from the Raspberry Pi, which headless over SSH and all that doesn't make it easy. Mm -hmm. um, basically, I couldn't get KDump to panic uh, when it hits the soft lock. Um, so the best I can kind of get to is that it, it's it's the Raspberry Pi's USB driver, um, which on the 3B, you know, or since the original and the 3B, you know, both the, the USB ports and the Ethernet ports, they're all on the same controller, and it runs kind of crazy. Um, I, I got to a point where I established some UDEV rules where it would ignore all the HID requests, and it would help a little bit, but it, it ultimately still failed. Hmm. Um, so I've broken down, and I've basically quit, and I'm going to fix the problem with money. So hmm. I ordered in a Raspberry Pi 4 um, since, much like, you know, full-size computers, uh, the E and the X HCI drivers seem to be much more tolerant of whatever is happening. Hmm. Um, so that's where I'm at on that. Um, and since I could focus on other things after that, <laughs> I went back to uh, starting to work on a web play, a web page to display, you know, the full log results of um, any Rosypy tests, since they don't really fit into the GitHub Actions window all that well. Um, I reincarnated the old Jinja template from the original prototype of RosyPy and then attached it to a, an Azure function as an endpoint. Um, it works, but it looks like it's from 1998. Mm -hmm. um, and that's pretty much all I would be able to do from there anyway, because you don't have, you know, CDN and you can't serve static files um, that easily. So I started moving towards a fuller web app solution 
which means my days of avoiding JavaScript are coming to an end, which it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was pretty much all of last week. Um, I also did a, a little bit of a, a deeper dive on FlameEyes uh, reuse licensing PR um, just to kind of see what it would look like to implement across the, the ecosystem and what some of the, the hiccups might be and how some of the other things like CircuitPython build tools and whatnot would be would be affected. Um, and I put my thoughts up on the, on the PR. Um, so for this week, uh, Rosepy, I keep working on, on the web app and waiting for the Raspberry Pi 4 to arrive. Um, and in that order, I also tossed in a, a TT4. So I'll look to help out with, uh, with the IMX port wherever I can um, as soon as it gets here. Awesome. And that's where I'm at. Awesome. Thanks, Summersoft. All right. Uh, lastly, we have notes from Stargirl. And of course, I have to take a time code. As Stargirl says, I got the boards for the hostess from Oshpark and got its boot. Yay. I'm going to actually start testing this week. And programming, testing, and assembling about 50 Winterbloom saws and about 100 Winterbloom big button, big honking buttons. So uh, congrats to Stargirl to getting to the point of manufacturing real products for folks. Um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting that she sold more big honking buttons than saws. Actually, um, it's cool. Okay, uh, lastly, uh, we have our last section called In the Weeds, um, which is a chance for us to just talk for more time on any of these uh, topics that folks want to chat about. So there's three already here. Uh, if you have things that you'd like to chat about, please add them in the notes doc below the ones that are listed in the doc already, and we'll get to those as we as we go through this. I think... Some of them will be quick and some of them will be uh, a bit, bit longer, but that's all good. Uh, first and foremost, let's go to Dan. So, I, Scott, I think you answered some of this already, but if we switch to um, Markdown from RST, how much of the Sphinx syntax goes away, like the double back ticks and dot dot space and all that that's still all there is that right or so the dot dot space stuff is only there if we have like inline code blocks um, okay the one thing that we want to make sure that, that our solution handles is uh being in a format that can have the parameters like per parameter uh doc strings for um, not including type information because type information is now in the, the Python stub instead. So um, basically we need to look, I would just look at what Sphinx provides support for, uh, for generating like the read to docs stuff and then uh, go from there. Um, okay. But I didn't, I didn't know whether it would go away completely or it's still, there's still the like colon this colon, colon something colon stuff. Um, that's that, part of Sphinx. Not no, that's re- that's that's RST. Um, oh really? Okay, okay. Like the Google yeah. form, uh, the Google form and the NumPy form uh, of doc strings has a different way of like structuring that stuff. Uh, that I okay. think is known thought to be better than RST. Yeah, I just can never remember. Right. Every time, 
I use Sphinx. I've run into some issues, so <laughs> it would be nice to have, have that happen less often. Okay. Yeah. So we'll have right, a I'm lot. Le we'll have a lot less yeah. of that um, now okay. because we won't have to worry about like class and variable and all that like higher level structure stuff. That's all in the stuff. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Good. Yeah. So we're moving that way, and and we could potentially like the reason we chose RST for all the library docs as well is because we like only had that as an option in the core, but now that's not true. So this could be a discussion for broader than just the core. Uh, we can move, try to move everything to something else. Um, okay. And I'll I don't, I also don't believe it needs, I don't think it needs to be all or nothing. So I think we could do it piecemeal. I think they're not positive. We'd have to check the, the sinks build stuff. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Dan. All right. Next up, let's go to Jason. I'm switching my to just a headset mic. I don't know if it makes a difference to people being able to hear me or not. I'm still able to hear you. It certainly sounds okay. better on the other one, but I can hear you. I can understand you. Yeah, just yeah, fine. yeah. <laughs> I hope it sounds better on the other one. I know. Um, right. Anyway, uh, yeah, I just had a question. I saw this go by a while back. I don't know who was having the dialogue, but I saw it in the CircuitPython channel about like mm -hmm. copyright notices and how to label things. So if, yep. if we end up shipping a board that's got, you know, build on there mm -hmm. and if there's, if there's already something written, written up about this, just point me to it. I don't want to waste time here, but mm -hmm. it seemed like there was some confusion, at least in the dialogue going on, or at least not everybody knew exactly how to handle it. And mm -hmm. I don't know where that stands right now. We want to make sure we do the right thing, I guess, at the end of the day, when we start shipping hardware. Yeah. So I think um, if you're shipping a version that came from Adafruit Master, you can call it CircuitPython. Uh, okay. The general request that I have, and and if you look in the the README, there's a branding section, so it's not okay. it's not really a copyright issue because it's just all MIT. You can do what mm -hmm. it, what what you want. But on the trademark side, um, if you have your own fork that you're shipping and pointing people to, the uh, the request is that you just not call it CircuitPython. Okay. Um, you call yeah, it we're. Yeah, we're just building from master. I mean, all we're doing, we're following the guidelines that you guys have, which is, you know, we have our own vendor ID and product ID and yep. a couple of other things yep. that we'll request get merged in to support our board. But yep. other than that, okay, yeah, that's, it's, that's all we're doing. Yeah, it sounds to me then that, like, there's not a reason for you to maintain your own fork. Um, I don't think so. Right. I, I haven't heard of one either. It's, we're happy to have okay. your stuff in, and then you can call it CircuitPython. Right. Like and, and that's what I'd like too. I mean, I, I, I want to support CircuitPython by name, but right. I just want to make sure we can. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. Like it's, there's no qualms about like the board itself or anything. It's just that like, there's more to the name than just the code itself. So like, um, making sure that when people get a board that runs CircuitPython, the guides work and they can go to circuitpython.org slash downloads and like update to the latest version. Yep. Those are my concerns with other people mm -hmm. using it on forks because like okay. they'll just get stale and they'll fall off. Uh, mm -hmm. But, it, you know, I'm happy to have custom modules, custom C implementations in master that only run on your boards. If that's what you need, like that's totally fine. Right. Okay, great. That helps a lot. Thanks. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right. And thank you for double checking. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, last up, we have V923Z. Yeah, so <clears throat> thanks, Scott. I, I think I would like to ask three questions. Uh, some of them are quite general. Okay. So um, um, one concerns your um, comment on 
on one of the pull requests uh, which you have already merged mm -hmm. and that's uh, if i if i understood this correctly then you want to bring um uh, the the microlab documentation in line with with uh, circuit python mm -hmm. uh, which is fine with me the question is what is required and what does it mean in terms of um well, as I pointed out in my, my comment to that uh, pull request, um, some stuff I, I, well, let's put it this way, I am uh, emotionally connected to, to some of what I have written in the, in the, in the Microlab manual. Mm -hmm. And that's mainly um, the, uh, the, the benchmarking and, and the, the rationale be behind why something should be done in a particular way in order to to get uh, speed gains or or memory gains and so on and so forth mm -hmm. and um so i i would like to 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 have that somewhere but i i don't know if 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 you if you if you can see that uh, somewhere in the in the circuit python documentation if so then um i have absolutely nothing against uh, sort of merging the two two mm -hmm. two documentation or mm -hmm. the two sources mm -hmm. if if you say that it's uh, it's too much and it's 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 really not documentation per se then we can still work around that because uh, well we can still have a common source and then i can attach to that that's that's absolutely no problem but i i would still need to know what is required on my part to 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 make it compatible mm -hmm. uh, with with what you would like to have right uh i don't know enough about it i think jeff's the best person to answer that um well then that's jeff <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah go ahead jeff well Scott, why don't you say uh just a little bit more about um what the pyi is right so a pyi file is a what's known as a python stub file and that means that it's basically Python, except there's no implementation to it. Um, it's <clears throat> and but then there's a, there is one caveat uh, around the way that we use it in Circuit Python because um, shared bindings we've structured in a way that a module is a folder, where in Python land a module is a file. Um, mm -hmm. So we do have a process where we strip all the Python stubs out and then merge all of the results from the files into one file. Um, but that's Although the right? ULAB documentation that we have right now is the exception to that, or it yes, was. Yes, I, I, I am fully aware of that. <laughs> okay. Um, right. Um, okay, so um, one one question I I, I uh, would really like to to ask here is that um, so uh, one issue or or one one advantage of Sphinx or or restructured text as such is that you can have Python code that actually executes during during uh, uh, the generation of the document, mm -hmm. and I I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you if you have that now uh, with with these uh, Pi stab, stubs, um, but I, I think I well at least on my part it would be would be really a, a huge loss if if I if I had to part with 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 inline Python code that's that's actually running um, 
in in the in the document. True. So I, I I don't know if you if you have thought about that. Is that, uh, is it, that basically? So hmm? What is the inline code doing? Is it affecting the it's docs itself? It 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 generates uh, examples. So it's it's actually uh, if you if you go to um, to the link, I, I can I can try to uh, link it once more. Um, so whatever you see there uh, as Python code has actually run in in a micro lab, uh, sometimes on on a on a board on an on an actual hardware board hardware board, and right. then it's inserted into the document. So for example, if you go to the link that I I sent. Uh, just now, mm -hmm. there's this um, vectorizing generic, generic Python functions. Right. There's a there's a code segment there. Right. That's that 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 actually ran in MicroPython uh, MicroPython or the MicroLab. Right. And the output that you see there is is coming from from a board. Hmm. Um, and I I don't know if you can do that with with uh, PyStubs, uh, but I I think I I couldn't live without that right. so uh, i don't think i i i think what you're hitting up against is the fact that there are really multiple types of documentation um mm -hmm. this that you're talking about is like much more in depth than what the python stub stuff is supposed to handle right like the python okay. stub stuff is really just to document the apis it's not meant to mm -hmm. talk higher levels about things um okay so this, I think, would it's fine to leave it in RST, and then you would like have references that link into the like function definition and documentation for a particular function, like. Okay. Um, yes, yeah. but you still haven't answered my question. Uh, what what would it be required? What 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 would be required on my part to 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 align the two two documents? Well, I, th I I think I think what what it would take, and Jeff can correct me, is that like we would just move all the Python stubs into the microlab, um, like repository, and then we would just have to change our build so that we build using that as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So we would be asking you to take that ulab.pyi file in, and actually I think it's several files and then maintain that. So if you add a function, you would add the lines to the PYI file as well okay. as your own documentation. Right. And if you don't want to do that, I mean, we are fine maintaining our PYI files. And each time we bring in a change from you, I just kind of look around and see what's new, what's changed and update it. Yeah, but I, I think uh, I think we would all like to to avoid that. I, I, I think that that doesn't make sense. So um, if you if you can just uh, move all these files to to the the microlab repository, then please do that. And then then once we have some some ground, and even if it's not common ground, then then we can move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you you would be willing to maintain the PYI file, think, for instance, yeah. when you add a new function or change a function uh, signature, Absolutely. that would be great. Absolutely. I think I think that's the least amount of work uh, on on uh, all sides. So I, mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the only thing that makes sense, because once you once you start fragmentation, then it's 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 a maintenance hell. So mm -hmm. I, I, I think 
if you if you think that that's that's the way to to go, then let's do that. I I, I have absolutely nothing against that, and I I whenever I I implement something new, then I will update the, the stubs. That's that's absolutely no problem. Yeah, and the other okay. the other benefit and the reason that we moved to stubs is that the PYI files are what um, the smarter editors know to use for autocomplete. Um, mm-hmm. So like PyCharm, VS Code, that sort of thing. Like I would recommend to then also having a PyPI package for Microlab that uh, okay. provides it. Although I guess it'll be in R. We can put it in R's, but we could debate that as well. Um so yep. like we'll, okay. we ship a circuit python stubs package to pypi that will include all of our stubs okay yeah okay uh, so uh, uh, from from my side i i see absolutely no no obstacles so if if you if you want to go down that way then let's do that all right well i will put it on my to-do list to um make a PR on ULab that moves the files into your okay. repository. Mm-hmm. And okay. at that point, we can take another look at whether all of the, the tech will work and play together uh, or not. I probably will not get to that this week. OK, well, it's not urgent for me, so um, take your time. OK, mm-hmm. okay thanks. Um, the second question um, about um, uh, speed ups and uh, uh, with that breaking, breaking uh, some sort of uh, NumPy compatibility, um, how how strongly do you feel about that, or what what what's the what, what's your standpoint? So I, I can I can give you an example. I, I can I can give you an example. So uh, let's suppose um, you you want to minimize a function. If it's a generic uh, uh, Python function. Then, then it's expensive. I, I actually have to have to call the interpreter. Um, uh, then, then um, give the interpreter um, a Python object uh, and let the interpreter calculate whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then I get back, back the Python object, and then I have to unpack it into a, a float or a double or, right, or right. whatever it is. Um, on the other hand, if you know that this function is a polynomial. Then, then you gain a factor of twenty. Right. If if you have a function called polymin or or something like that, mm-hmm. the problem is that polymin doesn't exist in 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 NumPy, mm-hmm. uh, or not even in SciPy. So um, I, I I would be more than happy to bring in such functions. I, I mm-hmm. actually I, I would like to do that. Right. Um, but if if you say that it makes you totally unhappy, then we have to do it in a way that you can you you can decouple it if you don't like right. it. So, um, um, or, or, or another example is is uh, fitting. I, I think uh, the 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 class of functions that people would like to fit is relatively small. These are right. polynomials, exponentials, right. and and Gaussians. Now, uh, uh, polynomials can can already be f- fitted. Uh, there is a function for that in NumPy, but mm-hmm. there are no functions for fitting exponentials or or Gaussians. Right. Um, uh, it's it's trivial. It's a trivial effort to 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 implement this and then thereby gain a factor of twenty. Uh, but then it's a function that doesn't exist in NumPy. And um, I mean, um, I, I I would just like to to put this this idea forward and and test waters uh, because um, 
yeah, as I said, it's 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 a trivial effort. Right. I I would definitely like to have something like that. But if if it if it totally uh, upsets you, then then <laughs> so, <laughs> then then we have to, have to think about it carefully. I I mean, it doesn't bother me at all. I'm not. I'm not wedded to it. I would just suggest like kind of the, the feedback that I've been giving is like, make sure that you have lots of modules so that we can do it on like a per module right. basis. And then also I would, right. I would recommend not, not mixing NumPy compatible and incompatible of uh, like APIs in the same module. So, uh, uh, right. Right. Now I think that's, that's totally, totally okay. So, um, something like the the extras module or or, yep. or, or uh, yeah okay yeah fine. besides that uh, i don't care then, <laughs> okay i'll do that um then the the last question is is really technical uh, how do you print in c so um what i mean is that um for for fitting there is some output that 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 is actually not data so um, things like um, uh, the fit uh, has converged in uh, 1,300 uh, uh, iterations. Um, these are the these are the uh, um, uh, uh, errors and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But that that is not data that is returned by the function. That's only a printout. Now, uh, 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 um, as far as I see. Um, uh, you you can you can have printouts in the in the in the code uh, simply with printf, but I think that's not the completely legal way of doing that in in um, uh, MicroPython or or CircuitPython. So then the question is, what is the legal way mm -hmm. of of printing um, data that is that is not the return value of a function, right. but you still want to display it? Something like something like a, a, an exception exception message. I think so. The, the problem. I, please go ahead. I was going to say. I think in general, uh, printing from a library is not recommended uh, because mm -hmm. that doesn't give people control over it. Uh, but if you're mimicking something that NumPy is doing, I would just say, as far as I know, MP printf is the way to do it. Um, okay. And give it the MP plat print. I think that like any redirection that we'll do will be lower level than that. Um, okay. So I think using that is fine. But again, I would say like if that all of the sort of sort of stats really should be returned and Python's nice that you can do like multi-value returns. So, right, that's, that's correct. But, but if you, if you look at one, uh, any of the, any of the fitting routines in NumPy, okay. they, they print stuff that's not the return value yeah so if you if you if you want to return these things then then it's not no longer compatible with right. NumPy. That's, that's all i wanted to say on the other hand uh, people might want to see what the error was uh, the, the error of the fit right um but that that's not the return value right that 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 was that was my statement yeah if you want to follow numpy and print stuff out that's fine but it just doesn't seem very well designed to me because people should um, have the option to turn it off and programmatically access the data. I, yeah, I think it's I, true I, that I, this is common to these kinds of packages, though, Scott. Um, you know, they don't care about yeah. purity as much as getting their <laughs> function that we don't even understand to 
to do the thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're totally right. And I think I think in the larger Python ecosystem, this is going to evolve over time, right? Like, okay. in my experience, when I've looked at data science libraries, they're, they get jobs done. They aren't necessarily structured like I would structure them, right? And this is just an example okay. of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm fine doing it if that's what NumPy does. Try, right. trying to ref, trying to refine numpy as a separate task yes i i definitely agree and and i don't want to undertake that yeah <laughs> okay so uh, i think those were uh, those were my my three questions and um um i'm satisfied with the answer so uh, great awesome so thank you so much and i'll wrap up after i take the final time code um Thanks everybody for hopping into this first uh, CircuitPython Weekly with video. Um, thanks to everybody who gave it a shot. I think um, we did actually fill up the 25 folks, uh, if I'm not mistaken, which is cool. We had some new folks jump in because they saw exciting things were happening, which is neat too, um, which means I was brainstorming when I was should have been paying attention. I think maybe what we should try is we could do, I could stream it and then all the lurkers can just do like a, we could do like an unlisted stream on YouTube where we just post that and lurkers can just listen in uh, dynamically there. That would give us enough uh, room in the, in the discord channel uh, potentially. So uh, that might work or we could just fill up and and cycle people in if need be. Um, But things to think about. Uh, those of you listening to this after the fact or finding, finding it on YouTube, this meeting normally happens Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Adafruit Discord server. You can go to the URL adafru.it slash discord to join. We're there all week. We'd love to chat. Um, please note that next week we're not meeting on Monday. We're meeting on Tuesday at 11 a.m. For those of you in different time zones, that's 24 hours different, 24 hours later than normally would be. Uh, that's due to U.S. holiday on Monday, uh, and I'll be running the meeting for that. And we'll try the video stuff again. I think it's it's neat to see people, so I I think it you know not only a voice to someone but a face as well, which is cool. Um, what else was I gonna say? This meeting was recorded and will be posted on the Adafruit YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com/slash/Adafruit. Uh, check it out there and. Uh, I think that's about it. We'll talk to you all next week on Tuesday and uh, the notes will go out. Check out if you haven't subscribed to, oh, I remember what it was. Um, uh, Subscribe to the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter. You can go to adafruitdaily.com to do that. And then the thing I've almost said, but I didn't say is that if you want to get notified about uh, note stocks going up and meeting time changes, please, let us know that you want to be a member of the Circuit Pythonistas role on Discord. It'll make your uh, label blue, and you'll get those notifications. And you'll also actually get access to doing the video in the video chat because I didn't want everyone be- to be able to jump in and do video, um, so I did gate it behind that. So, with that, um, thanks again for everyone joining, and we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye, all. Thanks, everyone.